Hello there. This is not going to be a normal episode. Today we're not going to be talking about recycling, and we're not going to be interviewing any guests. Today it's just me, and I'm going to get really raw and really personal with you. You might be wondering why you haven't heard or seen a new episode posted since December the 6th. Today is January the 11th, 2019. When I started this podcast as a weekly podcast, I began it as a passion project, and I assumed a stage name, per se, to keep a little distance between my day job, which of course is in the recycling industry as a solid waste management professional. On December 11th of 2018, I lost my 18-year-old son, Brandon, to a tragic accident. It was a Tuesday. There was no snow on the ground. There was no reason for this accident to occur other than the fact that an 18-year-old boy decided to drive too fast on the wrong road and lost control of his car. I've been on a long journey since that happened 31 days ago. And for those of you who know me, I lost my sister almost two years ago in August. 516 days ago to be precise she was my oldest sister and my son Brandon and I took a lot of trips to see her during her illness my sister Liz had cancer my sister Liz had a surgery that left her unable to do anything speak unable to walk unable to eat unable to use the bathroom, basically bedridden for almost a year, maybe a little bit more. I can't quite recall. But during that time, Brandon and I took a lot of trips to see Liz. Brandon being my youngest child, who was also a senior in high school at that time, was, you know, 17 years old. And, you know, he was willing to make those trips with me, and it was good times for us. Not only did we spend a lot of time getting close to my sister, but we also spent a lot of time together doing some things and taking some trips and doing some journeys and hitting some trails and being on the water that we probably wouldn't have done in that time frame if we weren't going to see Liz. But back to Brandon, 31 days ago, folks. It's not a long time. And here's some of the things that I've learned in those 31 days. I've learned that my faith is super secure. That in the days following his death, I sat in a church with his brother, Jason, and I opened a Bible to Matthew 24, 36, the day and the hour unknown. And that reads, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, but only the Father, meaning God, is all-knowing. And I use that verse to help my son Jason understand that our time here isn't in our control. And it's not something that we can manipulate. There's a precise moment that each of us will pass away. There's only two things that you can't escape, folks, taxes and death. 
And what I needed my son Jason to understand in that moment was no matter what the relationship was that he had that day with his brother, that everything is controlled by God and God is all forgiving. And I needed to him to understand that because I believe that no matter what happens in this world, we can be forgiven. We can forgive. It only took a few days. My son passed away on Tuesday. We had a service on Saturday. He was buried on Monday. And the world around us then went on. And yet, several of us were left. Shock, awe, sorrow, grief, anger, distance. All those feelings were there with us. But yet, the world moves on. It's the holidays after all, folks. It's a happy time of year. So I dug into a couple books because that's what I do. I read. I gain knowledge. I take perspective. I try to figure out where to go, what to do. I went to see a counselor. I joined a support group. All this happens in 30 days, folks. Before I get into the books, I want to tell you something that one of the people in the support group told me. So there's a support group out there run by an organization called Grief Share. If you're ever in this situation, it's a great resource, and they're in a lot of churches all across the nation. It's a national program, www.griefshare.org. In that group, which is facilitated by three people who've been in the grieving world a long period of time, I was told when I referenced Matthew 24, 36 to consider Psalms 139 as the companion to that. For those of you who are not familiar with it, it reads, O Lord, you have fathomed and known me. You know when I sit or stand, you created me, you created my most inner parts as you wove me in the within the womb. You saw me before I was born. My days were inscribed in your book. They were all formed and set before a single one came to be. Again, very similar to Matthew 24, 36. God's all-knowing. Time is finite, folks. We don't get to choose whether we're going to be here for 18 days, 18 years, or 100 years. That has been chosen before we were even born. So know that when a loved one of yours passes away, it's not your fault. You didn't do it. You didn't cause it. No matter how much happiness, joy, pain, or sickness they had in their life, God controls everything, and it's not your fault. So there was two books that gave me great comfort in these 31 days. There's a lot of books on grief. If you go on Amazon or you go to Barnes and Noble or you look in your local library, but there's not a lot of books on losing a son. There's not a lot of books on losing a young adult son between the ages of 16 and 25. There's not a lot about that. There's not a lot of books that describe how you should handle the relationship with 
with your son's mother, who you're no longer with, that you haven't been with for over 10 years. There's no books to describe how you should interact with your wife that you currently have now, who's not the son or not the mother of your son. There's no book for that. There's not a lot of books or not a lot of chapters in those books that tell you how to help your adult children deal with the death of their youngest sibling. Not a lot of books for that, folks. What I found, though, was a book by Megan Devine called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And in that book, there were a couple really good things I took away from it that I want to touch base on. The first one was the hierarchy of grief. And she describes this as there's a competition of grief. The hierarchy of grief. There is a hierarchy in grief, folks. And she says, divorce is not the same as death of a partner. Death of a grandparent, not the same as death of a child. Losing your job, not the same as losing a limb. Here's the thing. Every loss is valid and every loss is not the same. You cannot flatten the landscape of grief and say that everything is equal because it isn't. Just as those things I described to you before that. Not everyone has that situation. Not everyone has those dynamics in their loss. Everyone's loss has a different set of dynamics that have to be understood, explored, and it's just not the same. It's not the same to lose your sister who's in her 50s as it is to lose your 18-year-old son. It's not the same to lose your grandparent who's in their 70s than it is to lose a stillborn child. These things are not the same, and each one is complex. And when we say to people, I know how you're feeling, you don't. Stop saying that, folks. You don't know how I'm feeling. You don't know how anyone else is feeling in death because every situation is just so different. It's okay that you're not okay. It's okay that people aren't okay with death. Not everyone has to be okay. Not everyone can process that information in a quick and orderly manner. Not everyone can process that information in several years. Every person is different. One of the best points of advice out of that book from Megan Devine was using the airplane safety analogy. In times of trouble and danger, put on your own oxygen max first before you try to help others. The same is inside your grief. You have to put yourself first. To survive, you have to become fierce about caring for yourself. Let me say that again, folks. Put your own oxygen mask on first. Always make sure you put yourself first. It doesn't matter what anyone else in this world expects from you. And it doesn't matter what anyone else in this world wants from you. You have to figure out how to grieve the loss of that person in your life. Every dynamic's different. No two people are going to be the same.
The second book that I picked up was Lament for a Son by Nicholas Waltersoff. This book was written after the death of his son, who was in his early 20s. And he goes on in this book and reflects on very personal matters for a long period of time. And again, there's a lot of things in here that, you know, hopefully resonate with you if you're ever in this position or hopefully help you look at someone else who's in grief and understand a little bit more about what's going on. In his book, he says, death is the greatest leveler. So our writers have always told us, but what they neglected to mention was the uniqueness of each death and the solitude of suffering, which accompanies that uniqueness. Again, we say, I know how you're feeling, but do we? Do we really know how that other person's feeling? Do we really know the dynamics and the relationship that they had? All death is unique, not the same for two people anywhere in this world. He goes on to write a little bit further in the book. Do people think that my son was my favorite or that I loved him more than any of my other children? Death has picked him out, not love. Death has made him special. He is special in my grieving. Now I think about him every day before I did not. Of my five children, he is the only one who has a grave. This spoke to me for a multitude of reasons. I have five children. I only have one who has passed away. None of my children I would describe as my favorites. None of them would I describe to most people as the chosen one. And as he said here, I didn't think of him every day. Brandon didn't live in my house. He lived with his mother an hour and 10 minutes down the road. At 18 years of age, the every other weekend visitations have gone by the wayside. I would see Brandon once a month. We would talk on the phone once a week. It wasn't every day that he and I talked to each other. It wasn't every day that he popped into my mind. I didn't have to wake Brandon up from school. He didn't live in my house. I didn't have to make sure dinner was ready for him. I didn't have to make sure that he was home at the end of the night. Those were not my obligations in Brandon's life. So I didn't think of him every day. Just as a parent who has a child who's moved away to college or is off doing a career on their own, doesn't think of their child every day. We think of them often, but we don't think of them every day. Now, in death, I think of Brandon every day. I think of my other children every day as well. And I'm a lot more connected to making sure that they're doing okay, that they're managing their grief, that they're seeing counselors, that they're trying to accept this new information that's in front of them. So this section that he speaks of here, it spoke to me in great detail. The other point that I took away from his book was we are surrounded by death. Before, I only saw it here or there. 
The light was too bright. Here in this dim light, the dead show up. All around me are traces and memories of the dead. We live among the dead until we join them. When you lose someone that's really special and close to you, a wife, a child, a partner, a parent before their time or what you perceive was their time, death has a new light. It's not as bright as the oblivious light that you were living in before. Now death has that brighter light. And as you look around, you see things in death that you never saw before when you were more oblivious. I'll give you an example. After we buried my son, on one of the days that I was standing at his graveside talking to him, I noticed a small bouquet of flowers on a headstone two rows over. And the wind blew it off the headstone while I was standing there. So I walked over, picked it up to place it back on the headstone, and noticed the name. The name was that of a young man who worked for me 15 years ago, who was probably in his 20s, maybe even 19 when he passed. I didn't do the math. And it made me wonder, what happened to this young man? So in the power of the internet, I Googled it. And it came up that he was in a car accident with another young man. And the stone next to it was the name of that young man. Now he and his friend are buried side by side, two rows from my son. Someone I knew a while ago, someone I didn't realize was dead. Someone like my son, who was very young and caused a lot of pain for their family, I'm sure. A lot of sorrow, a lot of grief. So what I want you to know, folks, is death happens. We can't stop it. What we can do is find the tools and resources to help with our grief and sorrow, to help us gain better understanding, to help us see the world a little differently than what we did, in my case, 32 days ago. You won't see a lot more episodes like this from me, folks, but I wanted to give you this one today. I wanted you to know that I'm okay. It's one of the things my son Brandon used to say a lot. When he got hurt, he'd always say, don't worry, I'm okay. I'm going to end this podcast today with a voicemail from my son from September. When he got hurt and he left me a voicemail letting me know that he was on the way to the doctor, but he was okay. Nothing horrible, just a little accident at school. But it'll bring you a little insight to my boy. My boy was funny. He was happy. And he loved to make people laugh. My son Brandon was a helper. His friends came out in force at his funeral to tell stories of how when 
they were sick or needed a ride or, you know, multitudes of other little stories or examples of when Brandon had come to help them or Brandon had been a good friend or Brandon had lended an ear to listen. Brandon loved his peers and got along really well. He enjoyed life. He, like most adolescents, was not without problems. My son was far from perfect. Some of those were traits that I handed down to him. Some of those were traits that his mother handed down to him. Some of those were traits that he developed on his own. But overall, Brandon was a happy kid. Brandon enjoyed life. And he tried to have as much fun as he could as often as he could. So I'm going to leave you with that voicemail of Brandon. And if your children are alive today, pick up the phone. Call them. Tell them you love them. If your folks are still alive today, pick up the phone. Call them. Tell them you love them. When your husband or wife comes home from work today, give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Because we just don't know, folks. We don't know when's our day. Thanks for taking a few minutes to listen to this podcast and touch my personal life. And in the words of my son, Brandon, I'm okay. Hey, it's your favorite son. Uh, the one, you know, the one that always breaks stuff. Yeah. Uh, we got injury number uh, 18. I uh, believe I broke my nose. So I'll uh, give me and mom a call. I'm leaving school right now. Uh... That's about it. Starting to hurt. It didn't hurt at first, so it's probably broke. Love you times. Bye.